Hello, hello. Here we are. Welcome to Making a Marketer, podcast episode number 10. We have a fantastic guest today. A lot of you, I'm sure, who are um, going to be watching, and we'll we'll give it a second to let people um, hop on because you know with the live thing, it gives a notification and stuff. So always super delayed. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, and thankfully um, for people who hop on later, our names are displayed at the bottom, which I always because my name is there on these lives, I forget to share who I am, and because it's a podcast, it's probably important that I do that. So. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm Megan Powers. You can find me on the Twitter at Megan Powers. And my business is Powers of Marketing. Well, you know, (laughs) I try. I'm blessed with the name. So, but no, I'm stoked. So our topic today is marketing automation. Uh, What what is inbound marketing anyway? Um, A lot of people, it sounds so intuitive, right? Like you should just understand what it is. Um, But so we'll dig into that a little bit more, but I want to introduce our guest today, Will Curran. He is a heavy duty event prof, hashtag event profs. Um, He's founder and owner of Endless Events, also known as the Chief Event Einstein. And he has his own show called Event Icons, which I've been on a couple times, fantastic weekly show that uh, is on the interwebs. And it's not a podcast, right, Will? It's a webcast yeah, I call it like a live talk show that just happens yeah. to be recorded and shared everywhere else. <laughs> right. And you can repurpose all that, which is why part of the reason for this podcast, I'm, we do a one hour show that's true podcast that we record on Zoom. It's hard to keep listeners if you don't keep putting out content. Um, but I also uh, super busy. So I thought my compromise would be to do a 30 minute live. So then there's some variety too, right? People get to see us and um, and then we pull the audio um, for the podcast. So this one's just 30 minutes. Um, it always goes by super fast. So hopefully we're going we're gonna to get to everything. He's also current president of the Arizona chapter of ILEA, the International uh, Live Events Association. And that's pretty badass. When did you uh, take that on? Was it two years ago, a year ago, year and a half ago? Yeah, a year and a half ago. So I'm in my second year term um, of it. Um, definitely excited to pass the torch, though, for sure. It's been a lot of work um, and it's been a lot of fun, but I'm definitely ready to have a little bit more free time again. <laughs> I hear you. That, that's the thing. Volunteer jobs are take a lot. Hopefully you have a good crew, a good, uh, you know, a good board. That, that supports yeah. you. That that for me, whenever I was president of an organization, I always said, or I was like a, a regional person overseeing them. I always said like, if you have a great team, being president shouldn't be hard. Totally. But it's and still time. It's definitely, I mean, I realize that now, now that I have a good team, but when we first started, it was like two of us. So we were like, okay, let's figure out how to do that. But that's a, that's yeah. a whole other topic. <laughs> uh, totally. Absolutely. And just like your background, I just, for those who don't know, you got your start in events as a DJ, right? Yeah. Yeah. Started off it, DJing backyard parties 10 years ago in high school. Bar and bat mitzvahs and proms yep. and proms and teen events it used to be like so if people always say like wonder how i know so much about arizona high schools is because i probably did every single high school dance in the whole state um, <laughs> but that's how we hired av companies that's how i learned av and what we do now that's so rad i love that story that's uh and and you to me and i've said this before when i when i've talked to you or about you that um 
I just like for the longest time, I know you do events. I know you're a production guy, but I'm like, he's a marketer. Like he <laughs> is a badass marketer. And I, I have a lot of respect for what you do. And um, so I thought it was like, you were the perfect guest to have on to talk about this, this topic today. Cause I know that you attend the inbound conference and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're super dialed into events, but also to, to marketing. So when people hear inbound marketing, you know, it sounds like I said before, a little too obvious to be exactly what it is. Can you tell us what it is? And is it the same thing as marketing automation? Kind of what's the deal? Yeah, I think I think actually marketing automation kind of goes in as a part of inbound marketing. You know, it's it's definitely overwhelming at first. Uh, most commonly when people hear inbound marketing, they think of HubSpot. Obviously, they're the ones who like invented the term. So usually they stumble upon their site. They look at the cost to have that software because obviously it's a software company. And they go, oh my gosh, there's no way I could ever do this. Heck no, you know, I'll kick stick to what I'm doing right now. Or like, let me figure out a way to kind of piece it together. But definitely inbound is a... As, and I apologize for everyone's part of this. There's a lot of Kool-Aid that has to be drinking to be a part of this like inbound movement. And you'll hear us talk a lot about HubSpot. And it sounds like, hey, that's the only way to do it. It isn't, but it's definitely one of the easiest ways to do it. Um, but it's definitely a mindset for sure in the way you do things. Um, before, when we were doing marketing, before we really embraced inbound, we had a blog. You know, We did social media, but it wasn't really trackable, didn't have any metrics around it, didn't really have a purpose. It was just a blog and it was there. And it, I heard blogging, I knew blogging was important, but I didn't know how it was going to affect my business. Um, and I read Epic Content Marketing, which is a great book if you're looking to get into interested in uh, inbound marketing or as they call it, content marketing. Um, one in the same, very similar. And essentially, they talk about how it's this idea that instead of your customers being out there and you having to go work for it, they come into you um, and they request and want to work with you. And that wouldn't everyone want that for sure. Like, why would you ever want to work at a company where you're working to try to get customers? Once you want them to come to you all day long, that sounds like the easiest thing in the world for a marketer, but it obviously takes a lot of work um, to get to that right. point. So, um, you know, prior to email marketing, we would cold call, we would hit up all the, you know, get the lists of the book of lists every year and hit up all the businesses. And we would uh, hear about it at an event and try to find the contact information and badger them. And, you know, yeah, sure. You try to add value, but there's a certain point when you're interrupting people where it's not really a value. So um, way back in the day, back in the day, I read the book Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. And that book basically talked about how like we need to be in this day and age where people are granting you permission to communicate with them. And that's kind of where inbound really gets, I think, its heart and soul from is the idea that you're adding value and you're not interrupting people. They're coming to you. So now the way we get leads is People come to our site through, you know, different channels, whether it's social or sometimes even paid ads, um, which are obviously targeted towards hopefully people that want to see what we're providing. And we provide right. value, we give away stuff for free, ebooks, blog posts, um, webinars, the podcast, you name it. And in return, we just ask for your contact information, not in a malicious way. You know, like a lot of people are afraid to give away their contact information because you're going to get spammed or something like that. We don't spam you. You know, we sure we try to get you to download more content offers. We try to make sure you understand what we do. But the first thing that usually happens is you'll get a call from one of our uh, amazing event team people. Um, Taryn, for example, is one of ours. Uh, she's probably watching this right now. Hello, Taryn. Um, and Taryn will call you and say like, hey, I saw you download this. Why'd you download it? What do you need help with? Can I point you in the right direction of what you need? Not like point you in the right direction of the services that we provide, but just like, how can I give you more value? Let me get you more content. Let me get you this and that. And just try to add value. And then hopefully at some point during that process, you go, dang, Taryn, you've been so helpful. By the way, 
hey, like, what do you guys even do? And then that's when they're asking, giving you permission to start that conversation. That's what inbound marketing and in the inbound like philosophy is all about is add value and they will come to you. And it's kind of like, I don't mean to get philosophical. Definitely karma, right? You put good things in, yeah. good things come back. And that's um, how we do it. And it, it took a long time. That's what a lot of people ask is like, how long did it take for you to get this? It took it's about a year before we started really seeing a good return on it. You know, obviously you get your immediate return sometimes, but it definitely took about a year. But now our business runs 100%. All the leads come to us. And they all want to work with us. And that's a marketer's dream, I think. For sure. Yeah. So it's a long play. Like Gary V, you know, he talks a lot about that, right? Like, don't give to get. And um, like, he's not trying to sell you anything. Yeah, yeah, right. He's just providing value. Yeah, yeah. And he's providing value. And um, and yeah. And then he, he obviously is a media icon. So that's like an extreme example. No, and, and I had that philosophy when I worked in sales, even I... I, yeah, I wanted people to do business with me, but you know, I just wanted to get to know as many people as I could. And, um, I've talked about this before on the show and like, I always was game to meet another supplier, to meet a competitor. I didn't care. Like, first of all, because good, like you say, karma, right. Good things come to those who do good things. And like, you know, they know what I did. And, and plus people always end up somewhere else, right? Like the turnover rate in this industry is, um, of course, not within your organization. No, not within mm-hmm. our organization. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. There's there's always flexibility. And I think that, um, you know, when you approach it that way, people end up coming back to you and asking you questions. And you treat it more like a relationship than you do a sales transaction, right? Right. Fully. Yeah. And that's what I did. Um, for sure. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to seem like a salesperson. So you mentioned HubSpot. And that's an yeah. obvious um, so I was curious about like, what specifically is it about HubSpot that you, that you really dig? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, you know, people then, I think to follow up, I realized I didn't ask your other question, like how does marketing automation play into this? The whole oh, idea behind marketing automation is to essentially do a little bit of work that a salesperson would normally have to do. So you can talk, spend wiser time with the salespeople, right? Um, take someone who maybe you only get their email address because they subscribe to an email and how do you get them to eventually give you your first name, last name and phone number and eventually find out some information about their budget or how qualified they are. Um, it does a little bit of that work for you, essentially. Okay. Um, the reason why I dug Hub, what HubSpot did, um, well, first, I didn't even, I, I remember like way back in the day when HubSpot first started and I, I didn't even know that what they were doing. And it's probably, again, I probably looked at the cost and was like, whoa, this is so expensive. But um, it read Epic Content Marketing and kept talking about this idea behind understanding the ROI of your content and what you're creating. And what I realized is that I had no way of tracking that before. We wrote a blog post, we posted it on social media, and yeah, we saw our visits go up. But was that did that customer come from it? Did that person end up buying because of it? And I couldn't answer that question. And I knew it was going to be the wave of the future and how everyone was going to do things and how I bought things primarily. I always talk about that. Like it was, it always came from personal experience. I bought based on research I do with content and I had no way of, you know, tracking that. If I was going to invest money into more blog writers and people to host this, do social media and creating a podcast, for example, like if I want to do any of those things nowadays, I would have had no idea how to to measure the ROI and HubSpot basically kept talking about in this book is HubSpot's a great tool to do that. And I was like, all right, I got to see what this tool is all about. And then I looked at it and the core of what it does 
is a it's a suite of tools it's not just your um just your blogging software like wordpress you know it's also publishing social media it's also your analytics tool it's your replaces google analytics it also does all your email automation it does all your landing pages for people to sign up it does it does like they try to become like the no pun intended the hub of everything that you do right and i think that's um a, you know, most of the time I would say I don't like tools like that because it means that you can't, it's master of none, you know, jack of all trades thing, yeah. right? But I think one thing HubSpot strives to do is do provide the best tools possible because they use it for their own, you know, uses, which is really rare. You, I, I can't, you'd be so surprised how many softwares out there don't even use their own stuff to provide right. what they're doing. So, um, so I wanted to use a tool and at the core of what it is, is a suite of everything brought together. But when you bring all that together, all the data is in one place and you can get that ROI data. And one of my favorite things it can do is because um, the way the tool works is that someone submits like a form, for example, you know, puts in the first name, last name, phone number, email address, hit submit. It does something quite Everyone finds this really creepy, but to be honest, we, if you use it in the right way, it's not creepy. Is it, what it does is you submit the form, it puts a cookie in your browser, just like as if you logged in a site, and then it tracks your IP address. And when you knows it has the cookie and the IP address for what you're doing, it can identify that as you moving around the site, going to this page, watching this video. And that was incredibly important to us because we were had very high ticket ticket price for our events. You know, we wanted, we couldn't just look at things broadly, right? Like, oh, how much revenue is brought in broadly by blog posts? No, I need to know, did that one blog post bring in that gigantic client? Let me invest more in that blog post. Um, and I wanted okay. that micro transactional kind of data and it gave it to me. So I can see, as you're moving along the site, what you're doing. And I don't do it in like a creepy way. I do it to help us help you better. If I can see what blog posts you're looking at, I can know what you're looking for and give you more tools that are like that. Um, and that's been really insanely powerful for us. So that's one reason why I love what it is. Plus the big thing I think that it provides that they don't really sell is the training and the education that they do. They're the biggest essentially marketing software company in the world. So they have all the data from their site and right. they give all that data back. So then that way you're using the right tools. For example, uh, I was actually talking to someone HubSpot today and I said, you know, you don't realize it because you're using this tool and you think they're designing it just based on what their customers want or this and that. No, they're designing it based on how they use it and what's going to help them most. For example, they, they, they created a tool that does the pop-ups, right? Where it says like, hey, download this piece of content. And those were right around the time they announced it, they were like, hey, Google's going to start penalizing sites that do that. And I t was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, like, how are you HubSpot? How are you guys going to make it so you're not being penalized by Google? They're like, we're not worried about it. The data on our site shows that it's not going to be affected. You know, they're getting like 4 billion views a year. You know, they, they, they've seen the data on how it works. And then I said, you know, well, one weird thing about this pop-up is that it pops up and you have to hit the button to get the form to pop up and say, like, put in their email address. You have to hit subscribe, then you can get the email form. And I was like, well, that's one extra step. Doesn't that hurt conversion rates? They said, no, based on what we saw with our millions of page views, you, if you click the button, then put the, then they put their image address, it converts higher than if it, the email address pop up just shows. And that blew oh. my mind. It made me realize, like, they really do design their tools around what's going to work best, not just what's cool, shiny, trending, all that sort of stuff. So, right. They're doing the testing for you, essentially. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And you kind of get it for free. I mean, relatively, you're paying for the software, obviously, but you know, <laughs> most other places, you'd have to get that empirical 
understanding of how to use the tool better from you know, a, an agency or something like that. Here, they're coming out with blog posts that show you how to use the tools the best way. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah, for sure. I wish on my wish list of those pop-ups would, um, that it would know already if I was subscribed because it yeah. bugs me when I go to the same site I've been to a hundred times and it still asks me every time I'm like, no. <laughs> and that, so. that's the way the smart content. I mean, HubSpot can do that. Um, okay. I, I it's just how you set it up. You have to set yeah, it up, right? Because okay. you're cooking and tracked as long as like right. you don't clear your cookies and switch to a different computer and a different you know, internet connection, it will know that that's you. And in theory, it should be smart enough to know. Right. Um, but yeah, you'd be surprised how many people don't even simply put that, say like, Hey, known contacts, let's stop popping up. And to be honest, we right. probably, I think that's a new update feature with their, what's called their lead, um, flow tools that you could probably do. So yeah, definitely okay. providing smart content personalization is like huge. Hey, uh, what about GDPR? Oh, so I don't know a ton about GDPR. So ironically, I'm going to be hosting a webinar very soon on it. Um, so I'm you doing learn. my research now, but That's I don't know. A ton. I have you on my show so I can learn from you. You <laughs> have you people go. on your show. So yeah, it's, it just strikes me that they're going to have to make their site more compliant to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah. I think the biggest thing though, is just like, A, don't do it with malintent and make sure that your people understand what they're getting into. And that's like the biggest things that you can do um, is make sure that people understand kind of what they're getting into. And I think that ultimately my hope is that if you're not coming from a malicious place, everything should be fine. I'm just make sure that you're always coming out with a good intent. Again, be helpful. Don't be harmful. We'd like you know, right. calling cold calling originally probably was a good thing. People were actually giving good value, right? Ads on TV were a good thing. They were providing new opportunities for people to see new products, but then it got abused and became malicious. And what do they say? Marketers ruin everything, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> ruining everything. Yeah. So did you look at any, any tools other than HubSpot or did that book just sell you? Yeah, so we were um, we were first looking at the software. We were already using a bunch of different tools to do a bunch of different things. They just didn't really quite connect perfectly. So, for example, like we were using Google Google Analytics to track our visits and see what pages were popular. We were using Buffer to do our social scheduling. We we're using CoSchedule to like plan out our blog posts and everything like that. Um, you know, nowadays I'd probably be using like XYZ tool to measure my keywords and, you know, doing my like, uh, you know, content scheduling. I probably would be using like lead pages to do my lead pages. I would be using, you know, this software to do that. I have a separate CRM and you know, it adds up. And that's where I kind of did the math is I knew this tool had a couple things that I wasn't already paying for that I didn't have. I didn't have a landing page tool. I didn't have any sort of way to learn conversion tracking, all that sort of stuff. And a, I really didn't know how to use Google Analytics to get the data that it was providing. And so I kind of did some math and just realized like 50 bucks a month here, 100 bucks a month here, 15 bucks a month here, it adds up and it gets towards that. You know, we were at the pro plan when we first joined, but if you don't have a lot of traffic, you can start off on that. Um, the plan below, I think it's called the basic plan and you can start off and now they have free tools and more inexpensive tools. I mean, geez, I wish I HubSpot had been doing its model what it's doing now when I first got started, but there's, there's a good way to get like your, your foot in the door. And we had tools like that, but the important thing was none of it communicated with each other. I couldn't see that Joe Schmo watched this blog post converted through this CTA, this call to action, yeah. download this ebook, then went, came back to the page, got this email, opened up this email and like none of it communicated well with each other. Um, and there might be more tools that are kind of that can do stuff like that now. Uh, and obviously, there's all other marketing automation tools too, like Marketo and Pardot right. and everything like that. 
but I, you know, for me, I loved what HubSpot was all about. And I loved about like the movement that they were trying to provide because they were walking their walk and talking their talk. And um, I loved that. And that was one reason why I kind of ended up going that route. Right on. So you can schedule social posts from from within. Yeah, actually, um, yesterday was a really exciting day um, for everyone in my social team because um, they actually are one of the first people to have Instagram scheduling, like native Instagram scheduling, um, which before, you know, obviously, like up until about, I think, three or four weeks ago, you could only do like the pop up. It would remind you to post it and everything right. like that. Scheduling, now yeah. they, they open up their API to do scheduling, but now HubSpot has it integrated natively into it. And they're like a Facebook, they're called like a Facebook preferred partner for marketing. So like they're going to get a lot of really cool things for Facebook. Like for example, you can sync your audiences for your Facebook ads automatically, um, which is really nice. cool. Um, you can also like sync the, the lead ads that are coming in automatically. You don't have to use Zapier to connect them, um, which is really, really cool. And I think it's because HubSpot takes it so seriously about using the data the right way and not spamming people that people say, okay, like we want to work with a company like that. And I'm really excited about the Instagram scheduling. I'm just waiting for Instagram to eventually make it so you can put links in the descriptions of photos and then life will be complete. Yes. I was just talking about that today on a discover call with a client. I said, you know, well, one day we'll, we'll get more than one link in Instagram. Right. You, know, yeah, you right. won't have to see the click link in bio. Yeah. <laughs> And so you know, fun. I think we will get there. But uh, it, the the thing that's interesting is they always say again, marketers ruin everything. So like right now, Instagram's great because marketers can't ruin it. You had to like individually post the pictures. You had to do stupid things like reminders to schedule. And I think the second that you can put a link in a description, like you're gonna see Instagram go from being like ninety percent users and a little bit of brand to being like ninety percent brand, ten percent users. You know, and everyone's gonna be flocking to it. But that will be um, an exciting day, I think, for traffic. My my big theory, um, I know you didn't ask this, but my big theory no, cool. about like social channels is that social channels should be only used to drive back to your, your owned properties, your website, your blog, that sort of stuff. So it was really hard for me for a while. We were not investing in Instagram. Now it's at the point where like Instagram has such a critical mass compared to any other social network that if you're not using it, I feel like the day comes when that linking ability does come that right. I will be too far behind. So I'm kind of playing the long play of, okay, right now I'm pushing tons of money into graphic design, creating these custom graphics and things like that in the hopes that when they allow it to finally do links, we'll have, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers or a hundred thousand followers that when we post an image, it's going to drive back a thousand, 2000 visits back to our site. So well, that's my big thing with uh, social publishing. Yeah, good. You are also doing something that's extremely visual. Why aren't you posting tons of pictures about the events that you do? Yeah. I mean, it's mainly because we don't take good pictures. At our events. I'll be uh, honest, like, you know, like we, we are so in depth, like into our events. That, like a lot of times I, we don't think about like having a nice camera to take a cool picture and things like that, you know, we're just like, I'm taking my Google pixel XL and I'm like, Oh, Hey, this looks really unique and special. I'll take a picture of it. And then that's like the only picture I ever take of the event. And it's, or it's like of our technicians goofing off or something like that, having fun on site. Um, but yeah, we've definitely, we've talked a lot about it. Like our whole goal was to get consistency first. And then now we're going to talk about like, how do we expand that more? Maybe go from doing one post a day to two times a day. 
again, like it's definitely one of those things where it's like, I just want him to make it so we can have drive traffic back to the site somehow. And yeah. I would be really, really happy. Um, but yeah, the, the stuff that we're doing so far has been really, really good and really exciting to see where it goes in the future for sure. Yeah. Well, Instagram is not a platform where you need to post multiple times a day. In fact, yeah. You know, you can totally get away with posting four or five times a week because of the way the algorithm works. People are following you. They're going to see it. You're seeing stuff that's six days old right now and a week old. Wild, wild. And that's what I'm realizing, too, is like, you know, like it's making it hard for me because I'm very much, believe it or not, with how tech savvy I am. I'm very much like I don't have any social networks as my home on my home screen because like I'm the guy who like if it's on my home screen, I'll click on Instagram and be like scrolling through it every single day. And I just realized like me as a human being can't take that personally. So, little ADD, shiny, like little shiny. ADD for yeah. sure. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, Slack's the only thing that gets to distract days. <laughs> oh, Slack. So you kind of already answered this, but what my next kind of question was, how's content marketing different than social media? Basically, social media is the vehicle, right? That yeah. helps drive the traffic to your content or, you know, gets you seen. Exactly. Exactly. I see social as purely a way to get people to your site, like anytime, like, you know, we're starting to invest a little bit into like Facebook groups and LinkedIn. We've been doing LinkedIn groups for a very long period of time and it's been really successful for us. But like, I've always a big fan of that owned versus rented land. Um, and I was a witness firsthand when we built up like 20,000 likes on Facebook, you know, we were, or we were at like 15,000 likes on Facebook and we'd get like a thousand thumbs up and we'd get tons of comments on every single thing we posted natively for free. And then the whole algorithm thing and they start paying ads were a huge deal. Oh, you want to reach your audience? You got to boost this post. And I was so frustrated. And I was like, I spend time building this audience and now you're saying I have to rent it back from you. And then I realized I was like, like, I can't be angry because they fully have control of everything. Right. And that's when that, that's around the time that we started realizing like, okay, time to start bringing people back to our site. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and I preach that a lot when I'm consulting, like that's a, that's a big thing that we're at the mercy of these platforms. So you're at the mercy of Mark Zuckerberg, basically. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So use them as a tool. But email and websites still remain the number one um, place to to gather people and to get business for sure. All right, we're almost done. We only have a few minutes. So no! I have to figure out what do I ask last? All right. So any new tools, technology, gadgets or anything that you're pumped about? Yeah, um, let's see what I'm, I'm looking at my toolbar real quick to see if there's anything I really, really like. You know, so like we're um, a cool tool is if you don't use it already, it's some way to like track keywords and things like that. This is a highly technical tool, but we're using SEMrush okay. for like a lo- very long period of time. Still love it. But now we're trying out Ahrefs, uh, H-H-A. H-R-E-F-S.com, Hrefs. And um, it's a like a keyword tracking tool, allows you to track backlinks and everything like that. Um, I literally was playing around with it right before I signed up because we're considering switching over. And that's a really cool tool. So if you're doing technical, like if you're ready, if you're in the weeds of marketing, Hrefs is awesome. And uh, I'm loving that really, really well. Oh, and this is also a huge one. This one is like my favorite tool of the like, I think it's gonna be my favorite tool of the year, but I found it last month. That's why I wasn't thinking of it. It's a data box, D-A-T-A-B-O-X. It's okay. like connects to everything and create dashboards. So you can see like, for example, it connects my accounting software and my marketing software, my CRM and also Facebook ads. And I can take it that data. And this is the best part I've never seen is you can create data calculations. So for example, I can determine cost of customer 
based on the number of customers that I have, which comes from my CRM, the the cost of ads from Facebook, and uh, you know the margin uh, coming from my accounting software. So I can multiply those all, and move wow. them all around, you know, do some math, and it I can show that metric and it over time on DataBox, and it's awesome. Um, it can send you daily dashboards, weekly dashboards. You, I have it set that it sends our dashboards to all of our teams automatically in Slack. It is so Sweet. cool, and I'm loving it. So um, <laughs> I, I highly recommend DataBox for anyone who's trying to mat, have metrics. And if you have a physical office space, I wish we had a physical office space. I would have it on like the big screen every single day when you walk in. All right. Yeah, that's rad. And, and the Ahrefs, I get that, man. I used to code HTML by hand. So I know. That's the tag. And they never had to write a link ever in their life. So yeah. now you know Ahrefs is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, see, I told you that was going to go fast. That went way too fast. <laughs> so you gave us tons of knowledge bombs and I, I really appreciate um, your time. And I know, you know, you, you have your own show. You know how um, how nice it is when people say yes. So thank you for saying yes to being on with us today. Um, we didn't get a ton of people in the live, but if you're listening on the replay, thank you uh, for rewatching it on, on Facebook or listening on the podcast. Um, so this has been Megan Powers and our guest, Will Kern. And uh, this wraps up episode 10 of Making a Marketer. And we will catch you next time. 